1: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
2: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. And of course, I am always glad when you're joining me. And today, I am also quite thankful because we are talking about thankfulness, about gratitude. Certainly this is an honor of Thanksgiving. And I want, I want you to also know that last, if you did not get to hear last week's show, we did kind of the precursor to this. We did the first segment. We did part one of thankfulness. And I want to make sure that you can get that um, show as well. So you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. And you can listen to that show in its entirety. This one kind of builds on that one. And so it, it, it really has been a very fun and very gratifying experience for me to write these two shows. And to really think about this idea that we thank our way to a happy heart. And the more thankful we are, the happier we are. The more thankful we are, we have great health benefits. And we talked about that in the last show, that our immune system is better. Our sociability is better. We are less easily offended. We have um, greater endurance. We heal faster. And so there's so many benefits to being grateful. And what I find is that gratitude and thankfulness is a lot easier way than just trying to be positive. You know, trying to be positive sometimes just isn't that easy. (laughs) And so this is kind of a hard world down here. So when I just start to be thankful for something, I end up always feeling more positive. And so I started out with this great verse, and it's Romans chapter 1, verse 21. It says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And that is one of the most concise ways to explain what happens when we are not thankful. When we don't honor God and give him thanks for all the things that he has done, even if the only thing God has ever done for us was to give us Jesus, that in and of itself would be day after day, year after year, I can thank him for that. Because that means that no matter how bad my life is down here on earth, no matter how bad the experiences are, how difficult it is, how dark the world is, It is a very short part of my eternity. 70 years, 80 years on this earth, even if it's hell, is 80 years compared to an eternity of bliss because I know Jesus. I mean, that's an amazing ratio. And so I know that much of what God is doing down here with me is preparing me for a great place in heaven. And it is a very short time, even though it feels enduring. My goodness. But this verse, it really struck me because it says, although they knew him, they didn't honor him or give him thanks. How many of us know God and don't give him thanks on a regular basis? Only thank him when he does something spectacular. But we don't practice this attitude of gratitude, this ongoing desire to thank him for who he is and what he's done for us. And I picked this this uh, chapter. This is uh, out of Isaiah. And it is kind of hanging there with me because it is long. But I want you to get this picture. This is Isaiah 43. And it starts in verse 13. And it goes to 21. And this is out of the Message Bible. And see if you can find yourself in here. It says, get the blind and deaf out here and ready. The blind, though there's nothing wrong with their eyes. And the deaf, though there's nothing wrong with their ears then get the other nations out here and ready. Let's see what they have to say about this, how they account for what's happening. Let them present their expert witnesses and make their case. Let them try to convince us what they say is true. But you are my witnesses. You're my handpicked servant so that you will come to know and trust me. Understand both that I am and who I am. Understand that I am And who I am. Previous to me, there was no such thing as a God, nor will there be after me. I, yes, I am God. I'm the only Savior there is. I spoke, I saved, I told you what existed. Long before these upstart gods appeared on the scene, and you know it, you're my witnesses. You're the evidence. Yes, I am God, I've always been God, I will always be God, and no one can take anything from me. I make who can unmake it. God, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel says, Just for you, I will march on Babylon. I'll turn the tables on Babylonians. Instead of whooping it up, they'll be wailing. I am the God, your Holy One, creator of Israel, your King. This is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean. Who carves a path through the pounding waves. The god who summons horses and chariots and armies. They lie down and they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road to the desert. Rivers in the badlands. Wild animals will say thank you. The coyotes and the buzzards. Because I provided water in the desert. Rivers through the sun-baked earth. Drinking water for the people I chose. The people I made especially for myself. The custom made people to thank me. That's amazing to me. When I see it, it begins with, get the blind and deaf out here. And it goes on to say, even though there's nothing wrong with their eyes and there's nothing wrong with their ears. How often are we acting like deaf and blind people to all the things that God has done for us? All the things that we could be grateful for. He says, he gets, he says get the other nations out here. Get them ready. Let's see what they have to say about this. How do they account for all these wonderful things that I'm doing for my people? How can they account for the wonderful gift I gave by sending my son? And God says, you're my witness. You are handpicked by me. You are coming to know me and trust me. Previous to me, there has never been a God and there never will be one after me. I'm the Savior. I'm the only one. I spoke. I saved. I told you what existed. And he says it again. You know it. You are my witnesses. You're my evidence. And he says I'm the Holy One of Israel. Watch for me. This is what I'm going to do for you. He says here in this verse 18, he says, I'm going to march on Babylon just for you. I'm going to turn the tables just for you. Instead of looping it up, they're going to be crying over what I've done to them for you. I'm your God. I'm the Holy One. I build a road right through the ocean. I carve paths out of the pounding waves. I summon horses and chariots and armies, and they lie down. They can't even get up. They're snuffed out like candles. And then he goes on to say, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. I'm doing a new thing. I'm making a road through your desert. I'm giving you rivers in the badlands. Even the wild animals, even the wild people, even the people that don't know me are going to say thank you because I provided water for you in the desert. He says, drinking water, not just water, but water you can drink. And I made it especially for you, a custom made person to praise me, to thank me. And so I loved that chapter. I thought, wow, wow. God is just saying, you will feel so much better when you praise me. You'll feel so much better when you thank me. When you look at all the things I've done for you, all the things I'm going to do for you, when you stop going old over old history, when you stop going back through the past and saying, "Oh, how terrible it was back there," or "It was so good, and it will never be that good again," God says, "I'm going to do a new thing." So, if the bad was bad, I'm going to do a new thing; it's going to be great. If the bad was good, if the if the past was good, I'm going to do something better. This is what God is saying to us, and He's saying, "Don't be foolish." Don't be futile in your thinking. Don't have a darkened heart. That's what comes when you are not grateful. When you are not thankful. So we looked last week at all the benefits of gratitude. We found out that you get a stronger immune system. You don't have as much ache and pain. You don't you have lower blood pressure. You have better, more positive emotions. You're more optimistic. You're more helpful, you're more generous, you're more compassionate, you're more forgiving, you're more outgoing. You feel less lonely and isolated when you're thankful. And we talked last week about this powerful thing in in our head called our brain, and that it is an organ like every other part of our body. It's fallen, and it will always be negative before it is positive. It always goes toward the negative first, and we have neuroscientists to prove it. They tell us this. And they've shown us this in their research. And so it's imperative that we understand that our brain is like any other organ and it is bound by gravity. And so it always wants to be held down and it wants to be pulled down. And so I want to make sure that my brain, just like the GPS in my car, I'm telling it where to go. So I read you that verse in Isaiah, that chapter 43. That's telling my brain where to go. If I want to go to Tempe, I don't tell it, don't go to New Mexico. I tell it right where I want it to go. So I take charge of my brain. I don't believe everything it thinks. And I don't believe every emotion that's created by my thinking. My futile thinking leads to darkness and depression. So I need to be on top of my brain as best as I can. And so as we end this segment, I want to make sure that you join me in the next segment because we are going to talk about even more, what, more about what gratitude does for us and thankfulness and how it affects our interpersonal relationships and the power it has, the power of thank you in our personal relationships and what it does when we are thankful to the people that are in our lives, even the smallest things. What a boost it does. It sends endorphins through our bodies. It increases the serotonin neurotransmitter, which is the feel-good neurotransmitter. One thank you can make our day. One thank you from a stranger. One smile. And we're going to talk about the power of a smile and what it does for your body physiologically when you do. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about gratitude and thankfulness on 1360 KPXQ. Faith Talk. I hear the whispers in my door. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. If you're just joining in with me, I want to make sure that you can hear this show in its entirety. You can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com and the current shows are always on that website and you can listen to it as a podcast. You can also follow me on Facebook, Cynthia Hyatt Inc. That's I-N-C for Incorporated. Twitter and Instagram, all kinds of different places that you can find me. So we are talking about this idea of gratitude and what the Bible talks about gratitude but also what research tells us about gratitude. And so the, the, the power of thank you has been measured. And, you know, it's a very powerful scientific phenomenon that they have found out about this, this powerful thing called thank you, gratitude, and appreciation, and what it does for our immune system, what it does for just our overall thinking, and what it does for energy and the amount of energy we have when we are thankful. And so, In the workplace, there's these researchers, Adam uh, M. Grant and Francesco Gino. They studied the impact of a sincere thank you in the workplace. And they found a 50% increase in the amount of additional help being offered as a result of appreciation. I mean, that's huge. In some related experiments, the same researchers... And the director of an organization personally thanked half the staff for their contribution to the company. And what was the result? A 50% increase in sales calls the following week from the half who had been shown gratitude. That's huge. So you want a more eager team? Say thank you more often. Uh, When you think about this, think about how you feel when someone says, hey, thank you for taking my call. Thank you for letting me, me visit you in your office. Thank you for letting me present this to you. How do you feel when they start with thanking you for your time, thanking you for your energy, thanking you for being open-minded? Thank you, how, how do you feel when someone actually appreciates something you've done for them and it doesn't go unnoticed? Don't you feel like you want to do it again? And so I'm sure you've all heard the saying, happy wife, happy life. And as trite as that may sound, it is very true. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, If you want to know more about that, make sure you look on the website for all the different shows I do on gender. What Makes a Man Feel Loved is one of the ones we talk about that on. And also just the the gender differences. But the University of Georgia conducted the survey on the subject of marital happiness. And what they found was that the feel? We found, they found that feeling appreciated and believing that your spouse values you directly influences how you feel about your marriage, how committed you are to it, and the belief you have as to how long it will last. Now, I know in my marriage, we are very courteous to one another on purpose, and it also has become a habit. We say please, we say thank you all the time. We help each other in any way that we can, we are gracious to one another. And I know there's a better feeling in our marriage. We enjoy each other more. People see that how much we enjoy each other. We have more graciousness toward one another. We have more forbearance. We handle each other's stress better. We don't take it as personally. It's one of the most fundamental things that you can do for any relationship you have. It's a way to honor a person by being courteous, by being grateful. And we have this lost art of courtesy, and we are reaping the benefits of not being courteous people. I want you to understand, the courtesy is part of being a highly evolved human. Primal people, animals, are not necessarily courteous. Now, we look in the animal kingdom, and there are some animals that are quite courteous, And, and they have a very different social structure than the animals that are not. So when we think about humans being the most highly evolved primates, the most highly evolved mammals, the higher up we get on the food chain, the more courteous we see people be. And so one of the things that we want to reintroduce into our society is courtesy. It makes for a much happier surroundings, makes for a happier feel, it makes for a more community-based feeling and it has a tendency to bring out better behavior in people it lowers stress and when stress is lowered we get a much better version of people so these very powerful words thank you have the ability to motivate create goodwill make peace solidify love and commitment and so lots of things happen when we sincerely thank someone now first the obvious you just you feel good about yourself for having manners it really helps people's Self esteem when they are courteous, polite people. They feel better about themselves even if the person that they're interacting with acts like a bore, acts like a jerk. They walk away from the interaction feeling better. And so it produces a positive m- emotional state, it increases a sense of well being, it triggers the feel good hormones, it also activates attachment. So it causes people to feel more attached to one another. The more attached people feel, the better they treat one another. And it reinforces a virtuous cycle in your brain. So what happens is this brain, that computer, learns a new program. It becomes swifter, and it becomes more proficient at being happy, at being grateful, at being courteous. The person that receives the thanks feels a higher level of self-worth, triggers a greater desire to help the thanker. Imagine that. It triggers helpful behaviors toward others. If you've ever noticed, if you're at the grocery store, you walk up to that line in the grocery store line, you have less things than the person in front of you, and they say, hey, why don't you go ahead of me? you have less things than I do? Well, you're automatically kinder to the person that's checking out the groceries. You're automatically kinder to the person that, that let you in, in place. And what they've done is trim, they've done these studies of all the people that watched the behavior, felt better, and were more courteous. So it has a contagious effect when you are kind. When my husband and I are kind to the waitress or the waiter, that waitress or waiter automatically is kinder to the next table that they, they work with. It just is a natural human tendency. So the person that's being thanked also appreciates being needed and they feel more socially valued. So this particular study started this, this movement called thanks bombing. And I think it's, I think it's tremendous. I think it's funny. It, it, they say the benefits of throwing around thank yous are enormous. And so they started this thank bombing trend. And they just started thanking everybody, everywhere, all over the place. Whoever does a good deed, they did, if they don't do a good deed, they thank him anyways. And what happened was every person starts getting all these amazing hormones that are mood elevating. And it started to be the whole entire event became happier automatically. And so it's really powerful when you really practice being thankful. So we're going into the next half of our show. And I want you to think about what are you thankful for today? I mean, I'm thankful for my church. They're not perfect, but every Sunday they keep showing up. They keep pushing against the darkness. They keep trying, and that encourages me. I'm thankful for my cat, and I'm thankful for what a cute pleasure this little creature is and how creative God is for making domestic animals because they just kind of fill in the gap when the world is hard. I'm thankful for this radio station that continues to put out healthy motivating, inspiring information. So join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. Please visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Like my Facebook page, like my Instagram, all of my Twitter. I appreciate that, and I will talk to you in the next segment. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are talking about gratitude, thankfulness, certainly in honor of Thanksgiving that is coming up. But it's always amazing to me when I do shows on gratitude and thankfulness, how much happier I feel. And I started out writing these shows and I thought, oh, and I was feeling tired and a little weary and and just editing, trying to, you know, because there's so much information. We have so much research now on the power of gratefulness, on the power of thankfulness. And of course, you know, science is always following after God and God has already established this in the Bible. He's already talked to us about gratefulness and how powerful that is and what it means to be a grateful person and what a grateful heart, how how a, a grateful heart is a merry heart. And so... You know, it's fascinating to read all this research. So as I started into it, I was already kind of, you know, I was a little stressed. And I thought, oh, I've got to get these shows ready. And do I have enough time? And, and of course, as I started to read, even reading the research, I felt happier. Thinking about all these things, thinking about telling all this stuff to you all made me happier. It's amazing how much my system, my physiological system responds to the way that I think. And so we talked about this idea about our brain and that we have a GPS in our brain, just like you have a GPS in your car. And the power you have, if you will have your own like self-agency, instead of being lazy, and we have a lot of people that don't even understand this, they just follow their brain wherever it takes them. So if their brain starts down a negative path, they just follow right along, being pulled by the nose, into the darkness of mind, the darkness of heart, the futility of thought. And and not realizing that God gave us this verse, Proverbs 23, 6 and 7, that says, For as a man thinketh within, so he is. And that I have this GPS, and my brain is an organ just like the rest of my body, and it's fallen. And it will go where gravity takes it. And so many neuroscientists have studied our brain and recognized that our brain always goes to the negative before it goes to the positive. One of the reasons for this is our brain is trying to protect us. So it always goes to problem solving. It goes to where the pain is, and it starts to think on it. Now, I certainly do this all day on my job. I think about and I problem solve. But I want you to understand that many times our brain just follows the negativity and the more we think on it, the more pain we get and the more futile our thinking is. And God gave us that wonderful verse when we started the show. And it is in that it's Romans chapter one, verse 21. And it says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's powerful to understand that I need to tell my brain what to think. And I can't tell you how many times a day I say to clients, do you just believe everything you think? Do you challenge your thoughts? Do you challenge your feelings? Are they lining up with truth? Or do you just believe that everything you think is true? Unfortunately, in our society, we kind of have that happening right now. Whatever people think, whatever people say, whatever people feel, that is the new truth. And we don't have a plumb line to test it against. And so it's important, it's imperative that we take charge of that. So there are ways that we can exercise our brain, and and neuroscientists have lots of different ways we exercise our brain. But one of the ways that Newberg and Waldman, out of their book, uh, Words Can Change Your Brain and How God Changes Your Brain, is they talk about smiling. Smiling. Even if you don't feel like it, the mere act of smiling repetitively helps to interrupt mood disorders and strengthen the brain's neural ability to maintain a positive outlook on life. Just smiling signals to your brain to be positive. There's, there's so many muscles in your face. I think that it takes about 22 muscles to make a smile. So smiling is a great exercise. So if you can't get yourself to go walk around the block or go to the gym then I'm telling you, just smile. That's exercise. And what it does is it signals to your brain to relax. It sends endorphins to your brain. It changes your outlook all of a sudden. And your brain starts to take cues from your face versus your face taking cues from your brain. And it is a very powerful phenomenon I tell this to to men frequently when I'm talking to them about anger management. And I say, you know, if you can't get a handle on your thoughts, then I just want you to relax your body. Because once you relax your body, it's hard to be angry. And so your brain, when you let your body be like a wet noodle, it signals to your brain to relax and to calm down. And so many times with mood disorders, our, our face is mimicking how we feel. And one of the easiest, fastest ways to do it is to change our face. And we let the thoughts follow. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk about thankfulness. Visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. This is 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. You are listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. Appreciate you being with me today and listening to this show. And we are talking about gratefulness. So I am grateful for you. And I'm always grateful for all my listeners. And I'm very grateful for the feedback that you give me. I want to make sure that you visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And that's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A. H-I-E-T-T, there is a comment part on the website. One of the pages is a comment section. I love it when you email me and tell tell me your comments and any ideas you have for shows, anything that you would like me to research for you or do a show on. And if you want a keynote speaker or a conference um, speaker, I also do retreats. You can always uh, email me and let me know what your organization needs. I have lots of lectures that you can look at and see if any of those fit. And if not, I can, I can write one for your organization. So love to do that. So again, this is the last segment of the last show on gratefulness and appreciation and thankfulness and attitude. And we left off talking about just the idea of smiling. And, you know, we have so much um, neuroscience now on thankfulness and gratitude and And just the way that our brain works and really harnessing our brain and requiring that our brain works for us instead of us being a victim to our own mind. And I tell clients this frequently. I I say to them, you know, do you believe everything you think? You need to challenge what you think. Because if you're a Christian, you also know that the enemy of your soul chatters to you and talks to you and tells you all kinds of negative things. And if you just believe everything you hear in your head, you're going to be a victim to your own brain. And it's going to affect your mood and your outlook and your experience of your life. So one of the things that we can practice, if I can't get a handle on my mood and I just am upset or I just feel down, I feel blue, which thankfully for me is not very often, but I certainly can because I can be kind of melancholy and I'm, kind of, I'm an artist, and I'm creative, and so I can be pretty sensitive to things. And so sometimes I just don't have the energy to tackle my thinking. But one of the things that's so fascinating, this is Newberg and Waldman, who have written two of my very favorite books, and that is How God Changes Your Brain and Words Can Change Your Brain, is that they talk about the many different exercises that we can do to help our brain. And one of the exercises is smiling. And and they say that even if you don't feel like it, the mere act of smiling repetitively helps to interrupt mood disorders. And it strengthens the brain's neural ability to maintain a positive outlook on life. So it's very powerful when I say to clients, you know, if you can't change how you think, then change your facial expression. Because our brain takes cues from our body just as much as our body takes cues from our brain. And so when you smile, it takes about 22 muscles to smile. And so Robert Emmons, we we talked talked about some of his research in the last show, and he has also written a book called Thanks. And he says an ingenious series of experiments conducted a number of years ago showed that when people mimicked the facial expressions associated with happiness, they felt happier. Even when they did not know they were moving happy muscles in their faces. So they found, the researchers found, that smiling itself produces happiness. So if you don't, quote-unquote, feel like it, the simple act of smiling will help you feel better. And that is very, very powerful because I know many times, you know, when someone's, when, you, when you're talking to someone, they're just looking at you like, just, hey, just smile, and they, you know, touch your face to try to force your mouth up, and you kind of get mad. <laughs> I mean, I know how that feels. What you want to say is, you know what, maybe they're actually helping me. And if I can't get a handle on my mood, then I'm going to require that my mind, my heart, my spirit follows my face instead of the other way around. And so this is one of the things that we can do. Now, the other thing that is really fascinating is how just the, the happiness quotient, the positivity affects our relationships, and the power of intention and, and how powerful being intentional is when, when we contemplate really changing our life. You know, Thomas Edison didn't contemplate the darkness of things. So he contemplated making light happen. So in order to float an idea into your reality, you must be willing to kind of do somersaults and, and look at things that are inconceivable and contemplate The what if versus the what is. And so we have that verse. It's Proverbs 23, 6, 23, 7. It says, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. And so many times what we're thinking on is just what is. It just is bad. It is heavy. It's dark. It's sad. It's overwhelming. It's terrible. Instead of the God part of us, the God in us, And the God solutions, it is what if. And God tells us in Ephesians Ephesians 3.20 that he can do immeasurably more than what we could ever hope for or imagine. He is the God of what if. And so we can say, you know, instead of the what if of worry, what if something good happened? What if God really shows up? What if God really changes the situation? What if God is going to do a new thing in me? And do I perceive it? We started the the first part of this show in Isaiah chapter 43, where God says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? So what's really important when we think about gratitude and we talk about changing our facial expression, one of the other things that researchers have found is that gratitude is, is a really good sleeping pill. And so when they compared people to, th- they compared those that jotted down blessings nightly, these these participants were in a gratitude condition and reported getting more hours of sleep each night and spending less time awake before falling asleep, feeling more refreshed when they woke up, when they were really thinking about all the things they were grateful for before they fell asleep. So instead of thinking about all the things they're worrying about the next day, or all the things that should be happening, or the things that happened that they didn't like during the day. They consciously practiced being grateful for all the things in their day that they appreciated, or things in their life, whatever it was. But they forced their minds to only think grateful thoughts before they went to sleep. It it sounds really simplistic, but the evidence can't be ignored. The evidence that came from the sleep study was that those people that practice gratitude, appreciation, thankfulness, not just positive thoughts, but what they were thankful for, slept better, more soundly, and woke less, less frequently, and woke up more refreshed. It also, there's, there's research that suggests that optimal mental health is associated with a high ratio of positive to negative emotions. That would make sense. And so this optimal functioning is characterized by a ratio of 2.5. That's 2.5 times more positivity than negative, negativity. Now, the optimal functioning is a ratio of 4, 4.3, and I'm not going to give you all the statistics of these studies. But one of the things that there's a psychologist, uh, John Gottman, he does lots of research, and he's an expert in marital relations. And he concludes that couples that unless a couple is able to maintain a high ratio of positive to negative effects that's usually 5.5 to 1 5 being good to 1 the, one bad piece it's likely that their marriage will survive if they have five negatives to one positive their marriage will likely end so this study he his colleagues they observed 73 couples discussing an area of conflict in their relationship and the research team measured positivity and negativity by two coding schemes. One focused on the positive and negative speech acts, and the other focused on observable positive and negative emotions. And what Gottman reported was that among the marriages that lasted and that both partners find satisfying, what they called flourishing relationship, what that meant was that the positivity ratios were five to one. And for speech acts, was 4.7 for observed emotions. And so the contrast here is that the couples in a downward spiral had positivity ratios that were 0.9 for positive speech and positive acts and the positive emotions that they observed. So... When we spot strengths and weaknesses in marriage, we predict that 90% accurately we can predict with a 90% accuracy whether a marriage will end in divorce or not. Just when I see a couple in the first couple minutes of observing them, the speech that I hear, the facial expressions I see, the body language that I read, and the way they talk, the words they choose, tell me if I can't get that stuff turned around quickly, that marriage will end. Because if I can get that marriage turned around, then what happens is it leads toward that futility of mind, that darkness of heart, that terrible issue we call contempt. And when a couple has contempt for one another, or one of the people in the couple has contempt, that is 99% of the time irreversible. And so language, speech, facial expression, body language has everything to do with resiliency in marriages, in couples, in in any type of partnership. So when I work with couples, one of the things I practice with gender especially is how I say a negative statement, the words I choose, the intensity with which I deliver it, the grace, the compassion, the empathy that I require myself to feel toward that person, the willingness to step outside of myself into that other person's experience and ask myself how they might be feeling, what they might need, what they wish I was acting like. And one of the ways that helps a couple maneuver through the tough parts of marriage counseling is gratitude and thankfulness. And I require that they consciously practice positivity, being open-minded, being kind, courteous. And, And I'll tell you the truth. Sometimes with couples, I've had couples that are highly argumentative, caustic toward one another, and I say to them, we're not talking about any of the issues until you can be courteous to one another. And I say, all you have to do this week is practice courtesy. Please, thank you, deference to one another, as you would to a stranger. And you would be amazed at how different the atmosphere feels when they are courteous, when they practice, thank you. Thank you for opening the door. Thank you for taking out the trash. Versus, well, thanks for taking out the trash. You were supposed to do it anyways. Why do I have to remind you to do it? That is the stuff that costs us our health, our well-being, and our relationships. And so as we end today, I want you to practice gratitude, thankfulness. What are you thankful for? However little, however big. You practice appreciation for those around you, even if they don't respond. Because you will feel better. Your life will be better. Your appreciation for others will be better. Your resiliency will be better. So I want to encourage you to be thankful. Thankful to God. Thankful for Christ. Thankful for whatever you can find and that you practice having your face wow, match your brain, and your brain match your face. So that if you struggle with any darkness, that you say to yourself, God is going to take care of that that darkness. God can do a new thing. God can do immeasurably more than I ever asked for or I could ever imagine. He can overcome. I need to practice thankfulness. I need to practice gratitude. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so thankful that you joined me the last two shows encourage you to join me next week, and certainly visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, Facebook at CynthiaHyatt, Inc., that's I C for Incorporated. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, all the social media um, outlets, and I hope you have a great week, and thank God for you.
1: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you.